It's a good day here at Crossroads, and I tell you what, I wanted to start off a little bit differently today. I wanted to highlight and celebrate what's been happening in our student ministry. Can we give it up for Dustin Wine, our youth pastor here at Crossroads? This is your moment to shine, Dustin. need a longer applause break. (laughs) Oh, my word. Do not, do not give in to his demands. Do not do that. Dustin, we've got some pretty amazing things that have happened in student ministry. Tell us what's been happening on Wednesday nights here at Crossroads Students. So, so yeah, Wednesdays since the fall, we we started taking over the worship center. So, here on Wednesdays, it's all student ministry. And so, uh, it's been fantastic. We've got a chance, just with more room, uh, we, we get... To, to meet more students, a lot more new students have been coming in here, which has been fantastic, but also gives us space. We call it tribes on Wednesdays because I believe every yeah. uh, teenager needs a place to belong, needs a tribe who's their family, and so we are family together, and so we dive into things, and it's, it's been a great thing to see uh, kids really dive into s- some of the things we talk about. We also have a lot of fun, yeah. so it's been, it's been a fantastic It's thing. a great time. I've been yeah. checking that out, too, and it's been a lot of fun to watch and see it grow. Yeah. You're also involved at the Concord Middle School, man. Tell us what you've been starting up over there. Yeah, so as uh, part of our You Are Loved campaign, we want to just give that message out to people, and so yeah. we've uh, created a partnership with uh, Five Star Life, which is an after-school program. If you've been around the area, they've been around for a long time. You yeah. Might have, we've got some love from Five That's Star right. over That's here. That's right. right? Uh, it's a great program that just uh, gets in the school and, and it helps speak life into kids. And so we've kind of, Crossroads has kind of taken yeah. over the Concord Junior High Five Star. And it's just been great. We have some people uh, from Crossroads that volunteer. And so it's just been a fantastic thing. We actually have a chance to volunteer for next season. So if you want to jump in, come talk to me. Oh, good plug. Uh, there you go. Yeah, hey, man, I don't waste, I don't waste a minute. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a fantastic thing to meet kids and help. Help, help teenagers uh, through life. So it's been great. That's awesome. Now, uh, you've got your Kalahari winter retreat coming up. What's oh, going on with yes. that, man? I mean, Listen, these guys want to hear about Kalahari. this. What's happening? Uh, in about a little less than two weeks, actually, we take our annual trip to Kalahari. So a large group of us, we're, we're getting close to the 100 mark. We're getting close okay. there. That's what that's I believe awesome. in. That's awesome. Let's give a round of applause for that. 100 people going uh, out to Kalahari. That's awesome. Uh, that's so, awesome. So um, today's actually the deadline to sign up. And so if you have a teenager that wants to go talk to me today, uh, let's get you signed up as fast as possible. Um, but we, we take a trip to Kalahari at Water Park. It's a fantastic time, a lot of time yeah. in the Water Park. But we also take time out of that to retreat. It's a retreat on purpose, to retreat from the business of life, retreat from phones, which if you're a parent of a teenager, you know how hard uh, that can be. But we focus on who God is and who, who teenagers are and who God has created them to be. And so I see every year uh, as kids and as parents make that investment in the kids, uh, kids make life-changing decisions. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that again. So. That's awesome. Now here's yeah. the thing. Twice a year here at Crossroads, we like to take love offerings for our student ministry to help get kids to these special events. Kalahari Retreat is one of those. Summer camp is the other one in the summertime because these are the moments where kids get away and they make decisions that help cement their relationship with Jesus. And so what we wanted to do today was just provide an opportunity just to give above and beyond a love offering to help get these kids to Kalahari. We've had about 25 families come up to Dustin and ask if there was any scholarships or anything that would help get their kids to Kalahari. We want to get every student that we possibly can to this retreat. Are you guys with me today? I mean, that's important, right? Let's do this. This is changing lives. So I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. If you would like just to help contribute to a love offering, help send as many kids to Kalahari as possible, this offering will go to help making that happen, and then we can celebrate together yeah. the lives that are changed at the Kalahari retreat. That's awesome. Um, and here's the thing. We all get to play a part in this, and I would just like to pray a prayer for Pastor Dustin as we pass these, these plates for this special offering today, that God would just continue to bless him and his ministry and our students as well. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray for Dustin and this ministry. Jesus, I thank you for Dustin. 
the, the call that you've placed on his life to serve our students and to minister to them. God, I just pray that you would bless our ministry, keep it growing, keep our kids connecting with you and becoming the people that you are calling them to be. I pray your blessing on this Kalahari retreat. I pray that kids would come to know you, that they would take next steps in your faith that they never forget. Guide Dustin, guide our, our volunteers that are helping to make this happen. God, may this be an event that changes lives and that these kids never forget. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We pray this in your name. And together we say... Amen. All right. And Dustin, that was your totally huge plug for student ministry. I mean, you did yes, it. You did it. it. Here's my thing, though. I have to say one thing. Okay. When I was a youth pastor, I got to be honest with you. This is full disclosure. I'm being vulnerable here. I had a real hard time with sixth graders. They, they just annoy me. I, just, I need you to know that. Sixth graders <laughs> annoy me. It's that magical time of life when, when they annoy me. Um, I now have a sixth grader. <laughs> and I am sending my sixth grader as just a gift to you, Dustin, to I'm Kalahari. Grateful. Well, so, I, I'm a much better youth pastor than he ever was. So I love sixth graders. You know, I love sixth graders. So bring them on. Come on, bring me your sixth graders. <laughs> that was well played. Yeah, right, your time here is done. Okay, right. let's go. <laughs> Dustin Wine, ladies. Let's give it up for Dustin. Come on now. Uh, now today, we're continuing on our series, Thrive, all right? Let's dive in. Who's ready to settle for average? Nobody. No, we are going to thrive. That's what this series has been all about. And it's all about developing good habits, because good habits change everything. And so we've recognized that if God is calling me to live life to the fullest, if he's calling me to thrive, I cannot settle for average. I cannot just sit on the sidelines and let this life that he's called me to pass me by. So we've talked about six habits throughout the series. Today we're talking about the last one. First week we talked about hanging out with God. That is H, hang out with God. Intentionally carve out time in your schedule where you're spending time in God's word, where you're talking to God in prayer. These are the most important uh, moments that you can carve out in your schedule, spending time with God. That's what lays the foundation for you to be able to thrive. We've talked about, A, activating your gifts, using the abilities and gifts that God has given you to invest in his kingdom. We've talked about, B, be generous, because when we hoard all the things in life that God gives us, our time, our talent, and treasure, we miss out on the potential that God is calling us to live into. We miss out by sowing in things that are temporary instead of sowing in things that are that are eternal and have a future reward. So when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. So the challenge is sow generously. Be generous. Uh, Marshall talked to us about investing in relationships. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need to be surrounding ourselves, investing in relationships that are going to help us grow in our relationship with Jesus because we are better together. Last week, we talked about the significance of telling our story. Guys, the greatest story ever told is the story of how Jesus came to earth, gave his life for our sins so that we could experience life. And the second greatest story is how you encountered Jesus. That is your story. That is your experience. There is power in your story. So we've got to be ready and willing at all times to tell our story because that helps connect people to Jesus. Well, today we're wrapping it all off by telling you the importance now of this final habit. It's serving your community. All right, I just want you to consider that for a second. This is really, really important because all of these habits lead up to a life that helps me to thrive. Habits are important because it sets the tone both ways. Remember that phrase we've been starting every service with throughout this series. It says, watch your thoughts. Why? Because they become words. Watch your words because they become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. That becomes your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. 
Your habits, man, when you, when you focus on developing good habits, it changes everything. Because the right habits, they change the way you think. Changes your words, changes your actions, reinforces those habits, changes your character, changes your destiny. That's why these habits are so important. And when we talk today about the idea, the concept of serving your community, let's recognize something really important. Jesus himself led by this example. When you realize that Jesus himself came as God in the form of man to planet Earth, you realize God has arrived on planet Earth, and yet he didn't come to be served. He didn't come to lift himself up and say, look at me, give me honor and glory. No, he came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for all of us. He came to pay the price that we couldn't pay. And that's the example that we're called to follow. That's the the person in Jesus who are we supposed to imitate in our life. If you want to thrive, you've got to be willing to serve because this is the best way that we imitate the love of Jesus. We love Jesus by loving the people that he's placed in our lives. How can we claim to love Jesus and not love the people that he loves? We have to be committed to this idea of serving. In Philippians chapter two, Paul speaks to this and this verse, Philippians two, three, is the memory verse for this week. Think about the significance now as we unpack this verse because it's loaded with all kinds of meaning. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now this is significant because this verse highlights the whole tone, the whole idea behind this idea of serving your community. It starts with the idea, don't be selfish. Don't be consumed with everything that you want. That comes naturally. You don't have to try and be selfish. We were born with that inclination, all right? It's all about me. Nobody trained me to be that way, all right? And I know you're all the same way, so don't judge me, okay? We are all driven by all these things, right? The driven for pleasure, the driven for possessions, the, 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 we're driven for the, the idea that, man, I want that prestige, I want that power. It's all selfish motivation, and it doesn't lead anywhere good. None of that stuff has eternal value. None of that stuff has eternal significance. When you flip that on its head, when you say, instead of being consumed by selfishness, I'm going to commit to serving God and serving others, well, that changes the whole dynamic. That's a, a big deal. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That very rarely ends up well either. I mean, we've got a whole army of videos online of people who tried to impress people and failed miserably. And we all laugh at those videos and think they're hilarious. That set yourself up for failure when you're just trying to impress others all the time. Paul is saying, listen, if you're going to imitate Jesus, it has to be opposite of everything that the world's telling you. Because God's economy, the economy of God's kingdom is entirely different than the economy of this world. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. That's the ultimate definition of humility. I'm not better than anybody else in this world. God loves everybody else just as much as he loves me. I'm going to show that I love God by loving the people he loves. I'm going to serve others the way that God serves me. And I want to ask you this question as we dive in because here's the thing. When you think about the sacrifice that Jesus has made for each and every one of us, I hope you realize that he did pay the price that no one could pay. He came from planet Earth with the intent to die on that cross and to rise again three days later so that we could experience life in him. We're going to be reflecting on that at the end of our time together today. We're all going to be receiving communion today. And as you think about that, as you prepare your hearts for what that moment entails, I would ask you to consider who in your life has God placed in your circle of influence, in your friendships, in the relationships that you have, who he's calling you to serve, 
Who could benefit the most from an act of kindness, an act of encouragement, an act of love, an act of service that would open the doors to connecting that person to Jesus, to letting them know how dearly and deeply loved by God that they are? There is power when we commit to being people who serve instead of being people who are consumed by our own selfishness. There's power when it comes to us living our lives with, with the eyes of Jesus and recognizing who it is in our lives that are desperate for that, that touch from God. Who is it that God is calling you to serve? I love this story in, in Matthew chapter 20 that we're going to dive into because it, it shows how selfishness distracts us from the mission. In this story, in Matthew chapter 20, recognize that what we're about to read comes right on the tail of Jesus telling his disciples in, in no uncertain terms. He says as clearly as he possibly can, you guys, in a few days we're going to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed. In Jerusalem, I'm going to be beaten and flogged. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. But I'm also going to rise again three days later. I need you to know that. I mean, this is Jesus bearing his soul to his closest friends. He's talking about the most important thing in his journey. His mission is to come and seek and to save that which was lost. He knows that everything in his life is pointing toward this moment that's about to happen. And he's saying to his disciples in no uncertain terms, this is serious. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be beaten. I'm going to die. But take heart because I'm going to rise again three days later. And in that moment, the disciples completely miss it. It goes completely over their heads. They have no idea. They can't comprehend what it is that he's talking about. It says that in that moment, in Matthew 20, it says the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. Like, hey, cool story, Jesus. Now I've got a question for you. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Now, can we just stop here for a second? This is a moment where Jesus has just poured out his heart to his disciples. He's laid out the most serious thing that he's here to, to come planet earth for. He's laid it out for them. They missed it. Why? Because... They're focused on their own priorities. They're focused on themselves. The mom comes up and says, hey, these are my boys. Could they be in the highest place of honor in your kingdom, Jesus? Now, you can't blame the mom, right? I mean, she wants what's best for her boys. Can you relate? I mean, come on, guys. We want what's best for our kids. But they're not thinking in the same terms that Jesus is thinking. And I gotta be honest, I feel like James and John are close enough friends with Jesus at this point. They've been through enough things that they're probably a little embarrassed at this point, right? Like, Mom, would you stop it? You're embarrassing us. You're embarrassing us in front of Jesus. Stop it. You know, it's that moment. And I can relate to that. You ever been embarrassed by your mom growing up? Anybody? Any? Just me? Because here's the thing if you were embarrassed by your mom, I got you beat. My mom went through a time in her life where she liked to make us clothes, and that's what I had to wear right there. Most embarrassing moment ever, okay? So you think you got embarrassed? I got embarrassed more. I guarantee you that. In fact, it's hard for me to be embarrassed now because I've kind of already been embarrassed as much as one can possibly be embarrassed. There's nothing really left in that frontier. So there's an embarrassing moment. Get that picture out of here. It's embarrassing. So there's this moment, right, where the mom comes up with James and John. I feel like that picture is still there for some reason. Okay. <laughs> so there's this moment where James and John come up with their mom, and their mom's saying, could you please have my son sit in the highest place of honor in your kingdom? I think her heart's in the right place, 
but she's not focused on what Jesus is focused on. She's missing it because she's still focused on herself. But Jesus is kind. He doesn't, you know, tell them how ridiculous they are. You're not listening to me. This is what he does. He says, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? I mean, he's just told them what he's going to do. They reply, oh, yes, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. See, what we see here is selfishness divides my heart. I become focused on my kingdom instead of God's kingdom. I become distracted by the things that I want instead of the things that God wants. And we've got to be careful that our hearts are not divided by selfishness. The perfect antidote for this is putting this love into action and serving others. Keep that in mind, all right? It goes on to say, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant, all right? So now they're upset. Like, well, my mom didn't come and ask Jesus for me to be at the top. See, I mean, I don't know what that looked like, but it's pretty pathetic when you think about it. So now you realize selfishness not only has divided their hearts, selfishness, it disrupts my relationships, all right? It creates a disunity. It, it causes division. Selfishness keeps me focused on what I want with no regard for what anyone else wants. And it ruins everything. And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to be divided. He doesn't, he doesn't want us at all to be united in Christ, to be focused on his kingdom, to loving others the way that God loves us. When we are actively serving, putting God's love into action, man, that's when the power of God is unleashed. The devil does not want that. So he focuses us on ourselves because it divides our heart. It disrupts our relationships. goes on to say, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. He's speaking to the rules of this world, this earthly kingdom. But among you it will be different because that's God's kingdom. It's completely different. It's a different economy. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is powerful. This is Jesus again laying out why it is he's even here. He's sharing his heart, his mission, who he is, and what he longs for us to be. He's showing us how in his kingdom everything works. And it doesn't operate on selfishness. In fact, what we see here is selfishness distracts me from my mission. It keeps me from living into that plan and that purpose that God has for me. It keeps me from thriving. So what we realize is I am supposed to be connecting people with God, all right? This is the mission that God's given me. And if I'm going to be connecting people with God, I can't be consumed with myself. I have to be focusing on serving others, to loving God and to loving others the way that he loves me. This is what I have to put into practice. And when I actively serve, put myself out there and say, God, I am going to be that encourager. I am going to show a random act of kindness. I am going to walk with compassion. That is the antidote to selfishness. Because that's me putting myself out there in humility, not thinking of myself any better than anyone else, not trying to impress anyone, just loving others the same way that God loves me. I love how in Luke chapter 10, it says that this, this man comes up to Jesus and he really is seeking. He's saying, Jesus, what is it that I must do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds to him with a question which I love. He says, well, how do you read the scriptures? What do you think they say about it? So the man responds to Jesus in Luke chapter 10. He says, well, the scriptures say, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus responds to him, right, that is correct. Do these things and you will live. Success, you know, on to the next person. And the guy says, well, wait, 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 wait. And it says, because he wanted to justify his actions, okay, because his actions didn't match up with what he knew to be true, all right, he asked Jesus, uh, okay, Jesus, then who is my neighbor? He's trying to make it as easy as possible to put all these things into practice. And Jesus is saying, no, I got to flip this upside down because it's not about you, man. It's not about being selfish. It's about serving others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Absolutely. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does that look like? Who's my neighbor? Well, Jesus answers that with a story that's pretty powerful. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus shares this story. It says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Now, Jesus is being very specific with his examples there, right? When he says a priest came by, he's talking about the religious leaders of that day. Today's terms, he'd say, Pastor Tim walked by and saw that person laying there, and he walked on the other side. And everybody goes, ooh, Pastor Tim's a loser. I mean, that's how that, that goes, okay? But then, before you feel too good about yourself, he says... A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. The temple assistant is you guys, so you guys are losers too, okay? There we go. Now, here's the point of the story. Then a despised Samaritan, his enemy, these people didn't talk to each other. They walked on the opposite sides. They didn't even get close to each other. They hated each other. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. See, the first principle here is God's love is selfless. It's the exact opposite of my selfishness. It's not me looking at someone and thinking about all the reasons why I shouldn't help that person, why I shouldn't love that person. It's recognizing, man, God loves me and God loves that person. In fact, God loves that person as much as he loves me. So I'm gonna love that person the way that God loves me. It's, it's that attitude of serving others the way that God serves us. And consider that for a second. That turns everything upside down. Guys, who in your life do you need to serve? Who in your life is hurting and is desperate for an encouraging word, an act of kindness, that moment of compassion? Guys, when we serve our community, when we serve the people in our life that God has placed there, it opens all kinds of doors. It connects people to Jesus. Who is God asking you to serve? This is powerful. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan, the enemy, soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This is extraordinary, right? This is God's love in action. God's love is sacrificial. It goes above and beyond. When you think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, for me, so we could have life. Man, God's love is selfless. It is sacrificial. It goes above and beyond. Might be a little inconvenient to step out of my comfort zone and help somebody. That's where the magic happens. That's where God shows up on the scene and does extraordinary things. Guys, who in your life is God calling you to serve? Who is it? Who's desperate for the encouraged word, for that act of kindness, for that compassion that everyone else is walking by? 
you can be Jesus to that person just by serving your community. You can live into that plan that God has for you. You can thrive just by saying, I'm going to serve the way that God has served me. I'm going to love the way that God has loved me. I recognize that God loves that person just as much as he loves me. These are the moments that change us, that make us thrive. I mean, the story ends in a powerful way. He asks a question. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Go love others, love your neighbor the way that I love you. That's what Jesus is saying here. And so we recognize at the end that God's love, man, it's selfless. God's love is sacrificial. God's love serves. I want to challenge you today. If you want to thrive, you got to serve. Yeah, hang out with God. Activate those gifts. Be generous. Invest in relationships. Tell your story. But it all gets encompassed with this attitude of humility, this attitude that says, I'm going to love others the way that God loves me. I'm going to serve them the way that God has served me. I ask you again as we come to a close, how is God calling you to serve your community? Who is it in your life that needs that encouraging word, that act of kindness, that act of compassion? Because those are the moments that change everything. As we come to a close today, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to ask you to consider who it is in your life that needs that special touch. Maybe you've been a little bit selfish, you've been consumed with your own world and what's been going on, that you've been missing some people in your life that you can serve, that you can help connect to Jesus. I ask that you would, in this moment, just talk to Jesus and ask him to give you opportunities to serve, opportunities to love these people he's placed in your life the way that he loves you, and ask him to do something extraordinary through that act of kindness, through that moment of compassion, through that encouraging word. Ask God that he would open doors and create moments that would change someone's eternity. That's what happens when we're willing to serve others the way that God has served us, to love them with the love that he has for us. You are dearly and deeply loved by God today. And there's someone in your life that needs to be loved the same way. So as we close, I just pray, God, would you just bless us? Would you help us to stay focused on who it is in our lives that you've placed there for a reason? The people who are hurting, the people who are broken, the people who are in desperate need of your love. God, would you help us to have the courage to take action, to put into action this idea of service, serving our community, serving those people in our lives that are desperate for a touch from you. And God, may we experience the joy of connecting people to you and seeing them come alive when they encounter your love. God bless us, I pray. Give us lives that would thrive because we're tuned into who you are and what you're doing. We praise you today and we give you thanks. And we pray this in your name. Amen.